Welcome, code aficionados and digital daredevils, to a podcast that's about to dive deep into the fascinating world of WebAssembly. WebAssembly, or WASM for the initiated, is revolutionizing modern engineering, pushing the boundaries of what developers can do. It's like a secret portal connecting your code to the digital cosmos. On this show, F5's Joel Moses, Oscar Spencer, and Matthew Akabuchi will be your guides to this virtual dimension, decoding the mysteries and unveiling the endless possibilities. So strap in for a bite-sized adventure as we take off with WebAssembly Unleashed. All right. Thank you, Tabitha. And hello, everybody. Welcome to WebAssembly Unleashed, your source for news and views about the world of WebAssembly. I'm your host, Joel Moses, and alongside me, my fellow WebAssembly adventurers, Matt Yakabuchi and Oscar Spencer. Now, we all work for F5 and Nginx, but we came upon this technology not really in a commercial sense, but as hobbyists academics, in the case of Oscar, community members, and massive fans. And because of that, we're only too happy to talk about it to anybody. My own experience with WebAssembly was seeing just what insane stuff could run safely inside of a browser-based environment. And from that, the insanity just sort of took hold. Again, here on WebAssembly Unleashed, we'll always talk about what's happening in the community that's notable or particularly exciting. Uh, and we'll provide some perspective on what proposals, changes, or updates mean to the WASM standard. And by perspective, I mean unvarnished and possibly unwanted opinions. And like I said in our first episode, along the way, we plan to invite some special guests who are doing noteworthy things within the community. And today, I'm happy to say, is one of those days. We'll introduce our special guest in a moment. But first, a little time with Matt and Oscar. Uh, Oscar, I was personally excited to see some important WASI Preview 2 features hit Phase oh, yes. 3 status. Uh, how do you think it's going in the community these days? Oh, it's going very, very, very well, Joel. Uh, I, I'm incredibly excited. Uh, for those of you who don't know, just recently uh, there was a vote uh, to advance a number of proposals for WASI Preview 2 uh, to Phase 3. And so, reminder for those who aren't super familiar with all the phases, Phase 3 is implementation phase. So that's where runtimes now can say, hey, we actually need to go implement this stuff uh, because people want to use it. It's time for language tool chains to start thinking about supporting it. Um, and so it means we're well on our way uh, to the component model happening. So the proposals that advanced, um, and I'm totally going to miss one here, uh, but it was IO, random, clocks, HTTP, CLI. I feel like there was another one too. File system. File, File system. system. Yep. I was there like, there go. are six. And <laughs> those and those are the six. Um, so incredibly exciting. Um, you know, you know, hats off to all the folks doing all the amazing work across the community uh, to you know get it to where it is today. We're all super duper excited. Um, you know, some folks and you know you'll hear very soon uh, are definitely already using all this stuff and, and making good use of it. So super duper exciting. Things are happening. Component model dream is alive and well. That's great to hear. Uh, Matt, what's drawn your interest recently in the uh, community? Uh, well, recently in the, the community group meeting, uh, Thomas Lively uh, discussed some of the challenges and some of the progress that's being made with the thread proposal. It's an incredible presentation, very interesting topic. And, um, and congratulations to Thomas because he has been, along with Conrad Watt, voted as a co-chair of the thread proposal. So we have someone else to, to go to for insight and um, insight and knowledge of the, of the proposal and the work going on there. That's fantastic. It sounds like everything is uh, is moving forward a lot faster these days. 
Uh, thanks, guys. And uh, now it's time to introduce our special guest. We want to reserve as much time as possible. Um, now, as WebAssembly matures, one of the things that it has to tackle is the challenge of managing and distributing WASM components at scale. Uh, think about the impact registries have had on things like language and runtime ecosystems, how NPM and OCI have influenced JavaScript and containers, and it's really easy to recognize the distribution distribution and how distribution is organized can sometimes be as important to the success of the qual as the quality of the environment itself. Uh, and because of that, our special guest today is uh, Danny McAvey with uh, Jaff Labs, who's here to talk to us today about the WARG project, a registry with kind of a WebAssembly flair that seeks to master package distribution in both a federated way and a non-opinionated way and do it all while ensuring safety and security. That sounds like a small thing to do. Danny, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, yeah. Great. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, what does Jaff Labs stand for? Uh, Jaff Labs is uh, just another framework. And, uh, just another framework. Yep. So that's, I'm a, a that's, a, yeah. that's great. That's a good name. Uh, let's start with the basics. Uh, how, how exactly uh, are you going about the package management challenge? Uh, what's so difficult about package management for WebAssembly, and why aren't we just reusing re some existing tooling for that? Certainly, yeah. So there's a lot there. Um, I guess let's just start with uh, talking about WARG. So WARG was a bytecode alliance project before uh, Jaff Labs got involved in it. Um, and they are were and still are concerning themselves with you know package management for the WebAssembly ecosystem. Um, some of the things that were decided upon uh, early on were uh, that priorities were going to be uh, cryptographic verifiability, and then also federation. Um, there had already been quite a bit of work done with regard to the cryptographic verifiability before Jaff Labs got there. Um, we did also help out some with uh, implementing that work. Um, and then federation has uh, you know, really started to be something that we've focused on more um, in recent time. Um, but regarding um, what's unique about WebAssembly, um, there are several things that are unique about WebAssembly, um, but the one that's probably most relevant uh, when it comes to package management and distribution um, is that there is this kind of cross-language interop. Um, so um, when I spoke about WARG uh, at WasmCon, uh, quite a bit of what I was uh, showcasing was, you know, um, what I specifically have been thinking about a decent amount recently, which is kind of like the depth solve aspects uh, of these things. Um, and doing that in a way where you're able to actually use multiple libraries um, from distinct languages um, within one project and have you know something similar to like a node modules that is able to compose the functionality that is exposed from each of them, even though they were like implemented in other languages. So, um, yeah. So start talking about, oh, sorry, Oscar. Oh, um, I feel like we're about to ask the exact same question. <laughs> um, but so uh, speaking of node modules, right? Uh, what's the what's the parallel we should be thinking about? So is, is Warg a lot closer to something like an NPM? Is it something more like a crates IO or, you know, even, you know, you mentioned federation, you know, are we thinking about things like Nexus or like artifactory type things? Uh, like, w w how does this all tie together? Yeah, so uh, there's quite a bit there. So yeah. I guess um, 
what I was kind of showing at WasmCon, which I've uh, been working on since then as well, is uh, the ability to produce locked and um, like bundled components. Um, so essentially, uh, and I think people are also interested in it. I kind of think of there being two use cases. There kind of being the like library use case for a developer where you're like, hey, Warg offers some utility and I'm developing software right now and I would like to integrate that utility into my code. And then there's also the creation of uh, like artifacts that you would use for deployment. Um, so more of like the OCI use case that you brought up. Um, but essentially um, there's not like a, right now there's not like a folder of all of the things. Uh, there is um, essentially what we're doing is uh, in like the prototypical depth solve stuff that exists right now is parsing binaries, noting uh, when it references a package that exists inside of Warg and then fetching that and then kind of creating a large locked component uh, that references all of those things. So um, when you say locked, when you say locked, is that like, is that like pinning versions or is that like creating a bundle? Is that, is that, is that creating a, a you know, like an aggregate of things? Yeah. Locked is uh, pinning uh, semverb versions uh, specifically. And there is actually, um, yeah, so really the difference between locked and bundled. Right now, uh, there is not a runtime that exists that is registry aware. There are thoughts that potentially uh, these locked components could end up being executed uh, by something that is registry aware, in which case you may not even have like all of the definitions of all the binaries in the WASM in your actual executable and they're like getting fetched as needed. Um, but so bundling is essentially uh, what would happen to, what, what a locked component would undergo in order to then anytime that there is an import of a pinned version to actually run WASM Compose right now uh, underneath right. the hood in order to generate a larger bar binary that actually has all of the component definitions that are uh, being referenced in the lock component. Now, so we, when you we'd say be, that you're calling, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go. Uh, we'd be remiss though. I, I want to kind of get in on that. We'd be remiss to say that there haven't been approaches to package management already in the WebAssembly community. Things like WAPM, uh, things that are, uh, I, I guess, compositors from a central resource. Can, can you kind of describe the difference in your approach? Yeah, um, there's a few things. I think that as far as I know, uh, WAPM is not utilizing the component model. Um, and what we've been doing um, is regarding the like prototypical depth solve stuff that exists right now right. Um, is largely, largely uh, dependent on the component model being uh, what is used in the binaries. It'll also interact with the core wasms, but actually this was a big part of the talk, which I think may not be a concept that a lot of people realize that is probably good to clarify uh, just about like what the component model offers and why it's relevant in depth solving. So I think that a lot of people are aware that wasm enables you to kind of pass language boundaries or cross the wasm boundary. So uh, the uh, you know words that they use is that there's code that you write in one language that gets compiled to WebAssembly. And we'll talk about core WASM rather than the component model right here. So in that case, uh, what is the language that is compiled to WebAssembly is 
called the guest language. And then you may be executing that in the context of another programming language. And so in that case, that would be the host language. And Core Wasm sets you up in a really nice way uh, to have function calls that cross that guest host boundary. Uh, but let's say that you, uh, you know, wrote some code in Rust, compiled it to Wasm, and then also wrote some code in Golang and compiled that to Wasm. And you wanted those to reference each other's imports and exports without relying on a host to like do the heavy lifting of, you know, working with different memory layouts in those two different guest languages. Um, that's not possible using uh, core wasm. So if you think about, you know, like a node module situation where you have, you know, this utility depending on these five other de dependencies, which depend on like these five other dependencies, and they might be sharing dependencies across each other, core wasm is not really like, in a place where it's uh, setting you up to do that. Um, so now with component model, this is where we start to be able to cross those boundaries, cross those boundaries between between modules between components uh and i essentially think of uh the component model as kind of like wrapping core wasms uh using the canonical abi so that you have uh and essentially there are these operations that exist there this is a little bit in the weeds uh but uh that enable you to lift and lower where you're going from that guest languages representation of your data structures in memory up to the canonical abi's representation of them and that's what enables you to go across arbitrary uh Yes, languages. Arbitrary might be a strong word <laughs> right now, but for languages that support the component model, which there should not be a limit to what could support the component model. Right. And, you know, even if language tool chains aren't necessarily, you know, mature enough to support the component model, there's a ton of tooling that exists to take core wasms and turn them into components, right? Um, but uh, I have a question for you. I'm curious, uh, you know, what is the full vision for the way people will compose components? Uh, because there seems like there's so much work tooling that exists to compose components, but should we expect like, that's how we should be thinking about it for the future? Or should it be more, oh, uh, this is gonna be integrated into my language tool chain and I can just sort of expect my tool chain to, you know, also talk to the registry, right? So yeah. what do you think in there? Yeah, I think at this point, we like have not, we want things to be like fully fleshed before we're, uh, you know, like approaching languages about integration with their tool chains for us. I do think WAPM, that is actually like one thing that they've like focused on that like we have not. I believe that like when you publish something to WAPM, it's automatically like interacting with uh, various languages, already existing package management solutions. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm not really thinking of the stuff that we've been doing for depth solving stuff right now is not really, it's utilizing existing tools that exist for composition. And um, so I think there's a, a crate in Wasm tools called Wasm Compose, um, mm -hmm. which uh, you can use. And I think primarily uh, prior to a UI tool that I'll get into called Wasm Builder, um, that was generally used with like a uh, YAML file. Um, and, you know, I think that like, since that there was that first iteration using a YAML file and people were like, oh, using a YAML file is like not always ideal. Um, then there was, you know, it became quite a bit easier using a Wasm Builder. And Peter Hewn, I think is largely, if not solely responsible for almost all of the composition tooling that exists. So he definitely made like the primary author of the Wasm Compose create, uh, created the Wasm Builder UI. And I do think that he's working on some other stuff that he's probably not 
it's not quite to the point where he's like trying to tell everybody about it, but I think that would be like another iteration where you have something that is simpler than using like a UI because generally you don't, when you decide to like import something in other languages, you don't need to use a UI <laughs> in order to like right. to do that. Right. Right? So um, I do think that we're going to see probably another iteration on that. Um, and I think that's like when people are doing composition, that's probably the way that we do it. I'm what we're doing for the depth salt stuff is leveraging uh, that crate, which um, so I'm not using YAML or a UI. I'm just utilizing the crate and essentially after parsing uh, those that dependency tree um, recursively through all of the dependencies of dependencies of dependencies using a creating like a dependency graph and traversing that calling into the wasm compose crate uh as i'm doing it but probably um when people are trying to like creatively compose things in a way other than importing an existing pack component in like their warg registry uh they would be using like future iterations on wasm compose got it it, it does make sense to use things that are already pre-packaged and built in uh, and try to try to retain the usefulness of those things and extend upon them. I, I mean, the history of package management in dist distributing application is littered with the corpses of discarded package management systems. So uh, I, I certainly understand that. It, it does uh, seem to me, just based on a, a reading of some of the specifications, there's a ton of care that you're taking towards security. Uh, and I, I hope you'd, you'd be able to describe kind of what measures are we uh, are we taking here in Warg for security? I, I know there's a there's an aspect of Merkle tree in there, isn't there, from certificate transparency? There most certainly is, and so that a lot of that stuff is uh, the stuff that happened before Jaff Labs came. Although again, I did like personally uh, work a bit on like an optimization uh, for the Merkle tree stuff, uh, but. Essentially, yeah, there is basically the entire state of the registry is uh, cryptographically verifiable. And most of the endpoints that exist, if you go and look at the spec right now, uh, are actually about, uh, hey, given this package, I want to know, I want confirmation that these are the versions that exist. Nothing has changed about any of the versions that have ever exist. And I'm going to compare that against essentially there's a checkpoint that you're able to use to compare these things against for every action that is ever taken against the registry so that would include both publishing and ganking and there's even a small amount of stuff there for like granting and revoking permissions on packages each of those things would like be would result in a new checkpoint uh existing that you can then verify things against um so i think that's the primary thing uh that is being done i mean also WebAssembly just kind of is inherently a little bit more secure than uh, sure. things. Uh, and I think that was kind of, you know, what a lot of the ethos was uh, before we got there was viewing, uh, you know, security in an ecosystem as only being as strong as its weakest link. And given that we you know, have seen things happen in various package management ecosystems, um, you know, we need to know that uh, the things that we're installing are actually the things oh, yeah. that we intend to install and that, right. that the authors author. So. And and just hop in right on that. Um, so I have one side question and sort of coming right back in. Um, so are you going more the uh, NPM route or the Bower route, if anyone remembers that Ooh. package manager? 
um, okay. of like, is there, am I allowed to have multiple dependencies, uh, like the same dependency at different versions? Is that something that's supported right now? Mm. Here uh, comes the religious discussion. Yes. <laughs> you know, I was, regarding any dependency specifying things, none of that has been merged into main yet. So sure. like locking and bundling is all stuff that exists on the side. And like, as of right now, this prototype of depth solving, uh, essentially you spec dependencies specify a semver range and deduping will occur if, uh, two, if package A and package B both depend on package C, if their semver resolution, uh, you know, has a common latest version that satisfies both, then that's what it will use. And if those temper ranges do not overlap, uh, then you will get two different versions. And so just, and to get a little bit into the weeds on that. Um, <laughs> so I know that there can be multiple instances of a particular dependency within mm -hmm. uh, your fully built component. Um, so how does that come into play there? You know, where if I have three dependencies that say, oh, we all want to depend on, I don't know, Oscar framework version seven. Um, like, are they, is that guaranteed that they're going to get the same instance versus the one that wants version eight gets its own instance or, or how does that all work? So again, this, <laughs> I, I really want to keep emphasizing the word prototype here. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what it's doing right now is if A and B depend on C in such a way that they can, will use the same version of C, there will be one instance of that component. So gotcha. components are able to be instantiated and you could take one component and instantiate it twice, in which case they would have distinct memories. Uh, and so that is not happening now, but that is like, there's not a plan for that to be configurable immediately, but that the component model is already set up to make it so that you would be able to have uh, multiple instances of the same version of the same component if that was so desired. So I think we just, uh, first thing is MVP. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and so to reel that all the way back in. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so in terms of, you know, one of the things people think of all the time with package management, especially these days, is an SBOM, being able to generate a software bill of materials. Um, so is that something that you guys are thinking of right now? Are you thinking of that in terms of licensing as well um, and, and licensing as it pertains to different versions, as we have seen many projects change uh, license from version to version? Um, is this something that's being thought of or, or what's going on there? Yeah, so um, right now licensing um, can be included as metadata uh, in the WASM component. So, and that could totally uh, change from version to version. So, uh, you once there's a UI for this stuff, uh, you should you know be able to easily have that stuff rendered in the web as you're browsing you know the catalog of uh, packages that exist. Um, I know re regarding uh, like S bombs and stuff. I think that you know a lot of people um, who you know know about Warg and are excited about Warg and want to use Warg are more concerned about it. Uh, are, you know, a lot of them are like uh, doing serverless, like cloud kinds of things, right? Um, which is kind of a different use case than the library thing, and a different use case from the whole like. Uh, depth solve, uh, like node modules kind of thing, and more like the way that people talk about WebAssembly as an iteration on uh, Docker containers, right? So um, we have been thinking about everything in such a way that we, you know, will have 
uh, OCI support, um, at which point like we will probably be thinking about SBOMs quite a bit. And I know that there's like a CNCF working group that's called Run Wazzy and that like this is stuff that they very much care about. And we have spoken with them over the months. And I think that we're, we will probably end up at a point uh, fairly soon where this kind of artifact deployment use case of a registry is, uh, you know, much more at the forefront of what we're thinking about. Got it. I, that kind of begs the question, uh, you know, trying to go for something that is both federated and non-opinionated makes me think, uh, will this be primarily like a SaaS style publicly run repository? Or are you thinking it will primarily be independently hosted repositories referred to by federation? Yeah, so I, anybody will be able to implement Warg. And what the Warg APIs are really about is, hey, if you have your content storage, which could be whatever your content storage is, what users need to be able to do is cryptographically uh, verify the entire state of the registry after anything has ever been done to it. Uh, and then also interact with other registries or, and, that, and that's more of a, you don't necessarily need to be able to reference packages in other registries, but you're probably going to like want to be able to. And so a lot of that stuff uh, is stuff that has really been worked on pretty recently. Um, so like the way that we've kind of seen it is like, so the only implementations that exist right now is the reference implementation um, that is actually like in the Warg registry uh, under the, you know, or in the Warg repo uh, under the Bytecode Alliance. And, you know, that's using Postgres. Um, and the way that we see it is it's fairly likely that like uh, WA or that like WASI uh, and or like BA as orgs may have registries there that have like, you know, your common WASI interfaces or like common BA uh, Bytecode Alliance uh, like utilities and stuff like that. But one interesting characteristic of uh, the Federation that uh, we've talked about quite a bit is uh, like mirroring. So you might have registries that, um, you know, are actually just the ability to kind of proxy like another registry. And so something that people have like actually talked about quite a bit um, has been like, oh, what if there are kind of these like common good registries um, that are like, you know, like run by like a nonprofit and then you could have like, uh, you know, other organizations that like provide mirrors. And so like they'll actually handle like, like basically the only one they their mirror would kind of be the only thing that ever actually hits the like source of truth registry ever uh, and so they're like taking on the brunt of the traffic uh for like you know everybody who wants to use those okay things. and and casting forward to enterprise like, use cases yeah yeah it'd be like, like a, a place to have a right right like a private repo replicating something from public yeah so actually uh what we've been like the way that we've been kind of thinking about things at jaff labs is by making it incredibly easy to create a registry, like literally just via like a post request. And so, uh, okay. and those registries, you know, you would probably be able to configure to be public or private or reference each other or reference like a WASI uh, registry. So that's kind of the way that we're thinking about these things. Got it. Well, this is your, your passion and knowledge is indisputable on this, on this subject, Danny, like, where did you, where did you get started with this? And then like, how, how does someone else get started? Like, where are you doing the work? Um, how can they get involved? And, and, you know, like, where, where do they, where do they see you on the internet? Well, thank you. Um, yeah. So I guess, you know, Calvin and I, uh, kind of spent like a year, uh, looking at the WebAssembly space together. Who's Calvin? Calvin. <laughs> 
co-founder at Jeff Labs. Uh, and uh, we, um, yeah, we're just like geeking out on WebAssembly, just the two of us for like cool. a year. Um, and then we, you know, we're like, you know, we should like try and figure out how to make something in this space. So, you know, for a couple months, we were looking at doing things kind of similar to what uh, a lot of other companies were doing in the space, um, you know, like uh, serverless kind of uh, deployment uh, tools. And one of the things we were like, there was this kind of this like big, like, is there going to be a registry? But they, you know, I, I kind of think of a registry as like a fairly substantial moment for a technology community. Oh, yeah. right? It's like suddenly, oh, I don't need to author everything myself anymore. There's a way to go get the de facto way of doing regex or like the de facto way of interacting with SQL, right? So we were kind of like, where is this? And Warg mm -hmm. was where people were thinking about it. Um, but it was, you know, like an open source BA, you know, project and nobody was like, like, like there was, uh, there were people who were regular contributors there, um, but nobody who was really like, I'm going to own this and like, think about it like full time. And so we kind of saw it as like an opportunity to like, just help fill a hole that needed filling. And I think just after attending those meetings for a while and realizing what the things that were needed to be worked on, it's a way that you can really learn a lot of like what's going on in the weeds. Um, so regarding getting involved, um, during that year when we were like getting excited about things, that was like, you know, when people were just starting to talk about the component model. So we were definitely looking at GitHub a lot. Uh, and like, the and that is kind of where, and that was before you even had like the recent component model book that like they were talking about at Laws and Commons right. stuff. So um, that is, that's also like a really great resource, but I'd really suggest to people that, you know, try and like use the component model on your own. And then when you have questions, uh, you know, ping for help in uh, the Bytecode Alliance uh, Zulip, um, people are like very helpful and friendly there. Um, and there's also, you know, a lot of the topics kind of correspond to SIGs or the you know, special interest groups that are working on specific things. So they can point you in the direction, of, you know, if you wanted to get involved in threads, um, which you guys were talking about earlier, sure. you could ask about how to get involved there. There's a warg topic in Zulip. So if you wanted to get, you know, help us out, uh, you know, you can ping us about it there. And there's like, you know, very easy to get uh, details about, you know, the various meetings uh, for various things. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to second all of that. Everyone should go get involved yep. uh, where they can. And on the open source question, the last question we have for you, Danny, is obviously, you know, all of this work is happening in public. It's it's all open and on GitHub. Uh, where does the company come into play? Uh, it, and what's the separation between the public stuff and what the company's doing? Yeah, so, you know, Warg is entirely open source and Warg is the protocol that like many people can implement. And the reference implementation uh, is an open source implementation of that. At this moment, Jaff Labs has their own implementation, which, and actually, you know, our implementation makes it easy for anybody to make their own registry uh, that interacts <laughs> with our platform. At this point in time, that code is the, the, the implement our implementation of Warg is uh, not open source, um, but we are open to considering it. Um, we're probably going to focus on like users first, though, and getting sure. some of those. Um, but I think that uh, you know, once people are actually like interested in using this thing, um, we're you know definitely not. We haven't decided that we want to open source things. Oh, gotcha. That's exciting. All right. Well, Danny, I want to thank you. Uh, with that, uh, that's all the time we have for today, unfortunately. I know uh, between myself and Oscar and Matt, we could probably spend another 30 minutes asking you questions. Uh, but thank you. We learned a ton, and uh, I hope that our subscribers did as well. Uh, as always, thank you, Danny. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Oscar. 
Uh, it's a big application world out there. It's time to unleash the power and promise of WebAssembly. For Danny, for Danny, Oscar, Matt, and myself, thanks for listening in. Be sure to subscribe for future WebAssembly news and views, and take care out there. Thank you. See you. That's a wrap for our WebAssembly adventure, fellow code explorers. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, may Wasm be with you.